Welcome to the Vision for the Valley podcast. I am your host, Joseph Velarde. In this podcast, we will discover the gym that is the Lehigh Valley and learn from people from all walks of life. Welcome to another episode of the Vision for the Valley podcast. I'm your host, Joe Velarde. So excited to be launching season three. We took a bit of a hiatus as we were in the midst of COVID and and all that uh, that entailed. And our last actual podcast was November uh, 2020, uh, the last episode. And a lot of people were just trying to keep their heads above water. And I wanted to be mindful of that as well as I was leading in a variety of, of, of areas and levels and, and ways as well. And and I'm so excited because for a while I've been trying to to get my friend Randy Cope on uh, the Vision for the Valley podcast. He is the director of operations for South Whitehall Township. And one of the things I had initially talked to him about was the idea of sharing with me his favorite character from the show Parks and Recreation. And he says, I don't watch Parks and Recreation, the show. I can't even say how accurate or inaccurate it is or what character uh, that I, I really uh, like or don't like or whatever the case is. He says he's more of an office guy. So as we start off today's podcast, my question for you, Randy, this Uh-oh. is not on the live of questions <laughs> that I sent to you. Which character from The Office do you most uh, resemble or relate to? <laughs> I don't know if I resemble. I don't know if I resemble any of them. As a show, but uh, um, personality-wise, I'd, I'd have to probably say Jim from The Office, just because you know we, we like to have a lot of fun here at South Whitehall. We're always cracking jokes, and um, you know the staff loves each other. We have a great time. You know we enjoy you know all of our company, and um, you know so. Yeah, I'd probably have to go with Jim. You know, it's a tough that's question. Awesome. That's a good one. Not so much Michael. I, I I hope I'm a little bit more professional than than Michael and some of his antics. But <laughs> that's right. That's I'll right. Go with Jim. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if you were. If you could. If you said you were Michael, if you'd have a job much longer, as far that's as. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not even if you said no, it. If you yeah. let like that. In this. Uh, but man, that's that's so fun. I I, uh, I I got a kick out of talking to you a little bit about you know, which show you were into. And, and I was thinking, man, I, I wonder which character he would say. And Jim, I, I could see that that actually was my, my thought in my mind. Yeah. I'm like, I bet he's going to say, say Jim. And it's, it's funny. Cause you know, being in parks and recreation, that's one of the questions I frequently get. And I just haven't, it's not that I don't like the show or, or don't want to not like the show. Cause it kind of, you know, has a, has an impact on parks and rec, but um, you know, I just never had the time to sit down and watch it. And, you know, like to stay busy with the the family and work. So That's awesome. yeah, maybe one of these days I'll get into it a little bit. Yeah, man. Well, uh, one of the benefits that I've had over the years is getting to know people. And so the Cope family is, is one of those families I've gotten to know, as well as benefiting from the work that Randy has overseen for a long while from like 2008 to 2019. I lived in South Whitehall and yeah. I loved it. I love the township. I love um, that area. I love the way in which they care for the community and specifically in a variety of ways, but specifically what I've benefited from the most is the ways that they've taken care of the parks and really created spaces for people to get outside. And especially when I entered into fatherhood, that became even more true uh, because they usually have a a variety of playgrounds as well as uh, paths or trails that make up the different parks that South Whitehall has. And and it's just been a real, real gift. And then watching as my brother has lived now 
uh, my identical twin, John, now lives in South Whitehall. And then watching all the renovations that are going on right there as far as the, the library, the township building, all those things. And so my wife and I had uh, two two different times in South Whitehall. One was back in 2004, 2005, so way back when. And then uh, when we moved in 2008 there. And uh, it's been awesome just to see all that's happening there. And uh, Randy's involved in all that and, and, he, and he and his team. And so I wanted you to hear from him. And so as we jump in, again, the, the vision for us is to understand and to highlight what's going on in the Valley as well as ways to get out and, and to connect with our community, uh, because I think it's so needed, especially now when you look at the mental health crisis that we're in and people feeling uh, cooped up and, and alone and anxious. One of the ways that we combat that is by getting outdoors and connecting uh, with people. I know it helps my mental health as well. So as we, as we jump in, Randy, I wanted to ask for you to tell us a little bit about yourself sure. and you, what you do, your family, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so um, I've been married to my wife Casey now for almost nine years. Our anniversary is in October. Looking Congratulations, man! Uh, we have we have two children. Our daughter Kelly, she just turned seven a few weeks ago, and and uh, my son Miles, he'll be turning three in September. Uh, we we've lived in Lower McCungee Township for about eight years now, um, and we also have a little place just north of Lake Wall and Paul Pack where we you know try to get up there as much as possible and and really get the kids connected to nature. Um, we're, we're very big on that, you know, getting, getting outside, spending times on the trails at the playgrounds, fishing, you know, hiking, all that sort of stuff. We, we feel as parents, it's very important to, to get our children involved in at an early age, you know, kind of in, install those same tactics and, and ideas that, that our parents, you know, gave, gave us. Um, we've got two dogs. We've got a, a coon hound named Moose. He's 10 and we have, a we have a 90 pound puppy named Ruger. He's a blue tick hound. So uh, our hands are full, you know, we, we've, with the two little ones, the two kids and, you know, bouncing back and forth to, the, you know, the Pocono mountains and, and my wife, you know, she's got a very busy demanding job as well. She's uh, uh, the hospital manager over at um, Lehigh Valley um, Animal Hospital over there off of Snowdrift Road and Tillman Street in Upper McCungee. So yeah, busy, uh, busy time of life and, you know, how I got into the parks and rec thing, Pastor Joe, was my dad actually was the recreation director uh, for Whitehall Township when I was growing up. So I was constantly going to all those programs and the events with him. And, um, you know, he started the Whitehall Water Wacky Game, Whitehall Wacky Water Games. I'm sorry. Uh, he was very instrumental in, in developing the Ironton Rail Trail that, you know, the big eight mile loop that goes through uh, Whitehall and, and Copley. So I was constantly, you know, attached at his hip, going to going to a lot of these events. And, and likewise, my brother was, too. So we, we both kind of followed in his footsteps. My brother's uh, the superintendent of Parks and Rec over at Northampton County. Um, I worked for the city of Allentown for about six years just after getting my degree from Penn State. Uh, my degree is actually in Parks, Recreation and Tourism Management. Uh, so after that, I actually took an internship with the city of Allentown. I guess they thought I did a good job, created a position for me, and I was there for about six years. I oversaw their their recreation um, department, you know, all five pools, all their sport leagues that we had. Um, you know, I think we had nearly 2,000 acres of parkland over there. I uh, did a number of renovations. Uh, my old boss at the time, Greg Weitzel, um, he was very instrumental in, in doing the Cedar Beach Playground. So when we did the playground over here in South Whitehall, Obviously, we learned a little bit from the one we did over there in Allentown, you know, made some changes and 
and things like that. But he's actually uh, the director of uh, the city of Las Vegas's parks and rec department right now. So um, yeah, it's parks and rec is, is one of those very unique professions where you have a, an opportunity to give back to the community, uh, your friends, your family, residents, visitors of the area in a very unique and fun and enjoyable way. You know, we, we always get, you know, kind of laughed at, not laughed at, but everybody's a little bit jealous that we get to work on all the fun stuff here, you know, in Parks and Rec. You know, we're doing the playgrounds, the trails, you know, the fun programs. We just had a concert in the park last Friday night. We had people dancing in the rain. You know, it was a great time. So it's a very enjoyable career, something I'm very glad that I got involved with. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to, to what it continues to, to bring for me. Yeah. So I was going to ask you, as you think about your role, because, again, mm-hmm. it's very that would Parks Rec, director of operations yeah. you know, for the, the township. Um, we know, obviously, we talked a little bit about the parks, you know, events that are happening in the community, especially outdoor type of events. Is there anything else that you oversee? You know, what, what all is entailed in that a role like that? Yeah. So director of operations, obviously the parks and recreation uh, department is under my um, management, but I also manage the water and sewer departments, our streets departments, um, our stormwater division, and all the the mechanics that, that services the fleet here for the, uh, the police department and and things like that. So definitely have a lot of uh, responsibilities on my hands, uh, something we take very seriously, especially when we're dealing with utilities, you know, safe drinking water, uh, the sanitary system, which we need to make sure is uh, properly getting down to Klein's Island there in, in Allentown. And then stormwater is this, this I don't want to say a new thing, but it's, it's really ramping up in, in terms of um, you know, the policies, practices, and, and the guidelines that the, the state and the federal government have put into place. So it's it's an unfunded mandate right now. Something you're 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 seeing and hearing a, a lot more of. Um, you know, there's a saying out there that you know when it rains it drains, meaning anything that gets on your streets or your driveways has a tendency to find its way into an inlet, which you know gets into our waterways. So you know we're we're pretty proactive when it comes to making sure our streets are clean. The cleaner streets we have, the cleaner water we're going to have in, in the Jordan Creek, the Lehigh, the Little Cedar, you know, all those tributaries that are coming through South Whitehall here. So that's something we're uh, we're trying to be very proactive with. Uh, you know, all the municipalities are really trying to tackle it in different ways. Um, but it, it's something that's ramping up here throughout the nation that, you know, people are going to be hearing more and more about. So I was going to ask you, too, uh, I know you got into this in a variety of different ways. Obviously your father, your family, I mean, it's, it's really cool to hear even the family piece of this, yep. which I did not know. Um, <laughs> as well as, again, I, I and I'm gonna talk, we're gonna talk about this a little bit later on, but I have noticed how Pennsylvania, and maybe it's everywhere, but I have noticed specifically, there's been a lot of proactive steps to ensure there's greenery yeah. and these open spaces um, that have stayed um, in, in a condition in a place that people can enjoy them, you know, and I, I think that's really, really cool. So we'll talk a little bit more about that in just a minute. But I wanted to ask you if people are interested in a role like this that you're in, what are the steps you would encourage them to take um, in it? And even uh, also, whether it's your role specifically, I know you probably have a team of people that you work with yep. there. Um, how have you seen them take their paths as well? 
So there, you know, there's a number of different ways. You know, the the biggest thing you can do at a at a young age, if you're you're looking to get into a field like this, is, um, you know, just be an act an activist for it. You know, make sure you get involved at the local level. Uh, look if there's any internships. If the if the municipality has a summer playground program or camps, you know, make sure you get involved as a counselor or counselor in training or uh, just attend those events and, and start to talk to people. Uh, attend the public meetings as as boring as that sounds sometimes you know it, it's really great to see young faces come out to this and to try to learn exactly how government uh, progresses and, and the steps and processes that they take to, to get things pushed across um, you know the the board um, so as a as a young person you know trying to get involved and that's really the best way to do it is to you know volunteer those volunteer cleanup days you know start to meet people that are in the field that you know, might be able to take you under their wing and be a little more influential and, and try to steer you in the right direction. Um, you know, a lot of universities and colleges offer opportunities, maybe not entitled parks and recreation, but, you know, a lot of it's tourism related. We do a lot of marketing, even, you know, the marketing majors can get into this field as well. Uh, secondary education, you know, a lot of it can kind of dovetail into parks and recreation. But if you're looking specifically to be a parks and rec manager one day, uh, I'm definitely going to advise Penn State University here for <laughs> we are Penn State, right? Come on now. <laughs> well, I, w- I wanted to ask you too, like how many uh, team members do you work with? Um, sure. So uh, in public works, I oversee 40 or about 34 full-time employees, uh, parks and recreation. We have one full-time parks and rec manager. His name's Mike Cook. It's doing a phenomenal job. Um, and then we probably have about 40 or 50 seasonal employees between the summer playground program, all of our program instructors. And then we also run a swim and gym program up at Parkland High School throughout the winter where we hire lifeguards and gym attendants. So um, through any given course of the year, probably about 70 that report directly to me or, or one of my managers. Yeah. So how do you I was just curious because a lot of people. So mm-hmm. how do you work with that many people? Obviously, they work with managers. How do you keep everybody on the same page, especially with an ever-changing, sure. whether it's weather-related or, you know, yeah. I know there's a huge project right now uh, going on with the township, which we're, yeah. we're going to talk a bit about in a minute. But let, actually, let's go there because I think that actually in real time helps us to understand how it may work. Yeah. So, uh, one of the things that I've noticed and uh, Randy and I've talked a bit about um, I see him all the time at different events, uh, Mount South Whitehall, which I love, uh, whether, and, and I have everything he said about the team there, man, they do a great job, especially when you see the events they're putting on for the community, uh, whether it's, it's celebrating a holiday or bringing the community together, they go above and beyond, uh, to partner with the local community and to get people involved. And, and one of those areas where I would call it a bottleneck for a long time because of just the amount of people that make up South Whitehall, uh, was the library specifically. And then the township, uh, building. And again, look, correct me if I'm misspeaking, um, mm-hmm. but it, it, it came to a point where it was really difficult to figure out, Hey, what's the best path forward? Uh, because a lot of people have different thoughts of what you should do. Some were like, hey, we should just build a brand new thing altogether. Others were yep. like, we've got this great lot of land here. Why don't we renovate it? Um, and so the, the decision was made, hey, we're going to renovate it and add on. Um, and again, correct me if I'm misspeaking here, Randy. Um, but talk about that process. Talk about how you've involved and coordinated with the variety of people who are involved in that project. 
Yeah. So, you know, in regards to the township building renovation, um, actually the library kind of got us moving, you know, they approached us with a renovation that they wanted to do. And we were looking at it and thinking, you know what, we we're really at a point in time now where our mechanical systems here in, in the building are, are starting to fail. Uh, we were having sewage back up in, in the police department, you know, coming down from the ceilings. It, it was just a, an unhealthy situation. Um, so we started to meet internally as a team and, and, and with the, the old board of commissioners and uh, started to put a game plan together. We ended up getting a construction manager on board and some architects. And then we started going through all those options, just like you talked about, you know, do we rip it down and just start from scratch? Do we look at a new, a new site or, or moving the building from this location to a different area at the campus? Um, and then we looked at a full renovation with additions and that was the most cost-effective solution that, that we found. Uh, so what we ended up doing was we moved all the staff out of the, the township building and moved over to the Roma building for about about 12 months or so. Um, so we, we set up camp there. You know, I don't like to speak kindly on the pandemic, but the timing was actually somewhat um, kind to us mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, just not being in the office. You know, we, we were able to uh, kind of get up to speed working remotely a little bit faster than some municipalities uh, were able to do mainly because we had to prepare, you know, to go mobile, you know, we were leaving the township building going to Roma. So we, we kind of used that to our advantage and, um, you know, we really didn't miss a beat when it came down to, you know, working remotely over the past uh, year during that pandemic, you know, but back to the building where we just had a ribbon cutting, you know, not too long ago, um, where it was a joint ribbon cutting between the township and the library. They wrapped their renovation up around the same time we did. You know, we're both still working on a couple punch list items to make sure it gets done uh, properly. And, you know, we still have our site contractor here doing some final paving and uh, the landscaping is just about done. We got some signage we're working on, but, you know, we're, we're really down to the, uh, the last few items on our checklist. So that, that's been a, a fun project now that we've been able to, to just about get wrapped up and, and looking forward to getting back to 100%. That's awesome, man. So you're coordinating with all these different people, all these, it was like you said, it was a collective effort of, of collaboration and working together. And I, I think that's really important to hear from, from Randy because one of the things I've noticed even in our conversation and even as I've talked to you, how much you value your teammates, Yep. how much you prioritize. Even um, as, as every time I, I, I see you at a ribbon cutting ceremony, I, I just get a sense from you. You haven't said this, but I, this is just what I notice. I notice a desire to lift up the people who are working alongside you and to bring them along in that process yep. and to, you know, let them uh, experience it, but also to acknowledge, hey, I, I can't do what I do without you and vice versa, right? And the alignment and the synergy that comes from this collaborative effort with the shared vision. And I think that's so needed in a time like this because it's easy to um, prioritize maybe one personality set or a gift set or or a management style over another. But really, you don't get the best results like uh, the township building, the library, without a collective effort of a variety of personality types, a variety of gifts, a variety of perspectives. And, you know, it's painful to, to get there, right? Because you're like, oh, I'm in a meeting I don't want to be in or. Sure. Oh, yeah, we all have those. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Where you're like, man, okay, like, can we, you know, we're feeling like we're going in circles, right? But, yep. but 
<laughs> but at the same point in time, that's part of that that process that allows something like this to happen. And and as I think about that, um, and as you consider that for your own life, and those who are who are listening, um, just think about the value of the other, value of of your teammates, how you can lift them up, how you can learn from them, how their perspective. You know, oftentimes we we come up against a different perspective than our own or someone has a different uh, personality type or gift mix, it's easy to assign um, something to them that may not be true because it rubs us the wrong way, right? Quote, unquote, rubs us the wrong way. But really what's the, the rubbing the wrong way is, is really, um, I, I believe it's how you actually get to the best result. And it's how you, you get the diamonds, right? <laughs> the diamonds are yep. found in the rough, right? It, it's, but it's that sharpening, process. But again, it's painful. But if you're patient with it, if you acknowledge your strengths, your weaknesses, and you see the strengths and the weaknesses of others, there's incredible things that can happen. And as I listen to even that, how you guys have pivoted, adjusted, adapt, it's helped to bring alignment and synergy to what it is that you guys do. So kudos to to the South Whitehall (laughs) Township team. And one of the other areas that I, I really wanted to get to you about is I wanted to ask you, how does the township acquire new parkland and how is it protected from development? How, how does that happen? Because again, as I mentioned early on, there's these green spaces. Right. And even the renovations of not just the township building and the library, I, I've noticed these upgrades um, in, in these parks. We'll get to that in a minute. But can you answer that for me? Yeah. So it's a, it's a very, um, very unique way you have that question structured. Um, mainly because some one of the main ways we're actually protecting land is, believe it or not, through development. Mm-hmm. So a lot of municipalities um, have you know different things in, in place you know through their ordinances and and one of the things South Whitehall does as well as our neighboring municipality um, municipalities we actually have laws in place where if a development does come into the township they're actually required by law to dedicate a certain amount of land back to the township or fees in lieu of. If you you receive those fees in lieu of the land, you can actually, or those fees are actually earmarked to go back towards parks and recreation, open space preservation, things like that. Uh, So that's that's one of the the ways we actually protect a lot of the land. Um, There was just a uh, housing development off of Walbert Ave, you know, where the Toll Brother housing development is, Regency and Hills at Winchester. And uh, they were actually required to dedicate about 10 acres of land just up on the Huckleberry Ridge there by our, our reservoir. So um, when we when we acquired that, it just so happened an adjoining 15 acres went up for sale, which um, we were able to um, acquire as well. So, you know, we, we quickly turned it into South Whitehall's second largest park. And we're actually going through a master plan phase right now, gaining a ton of public input uh, to determine what that park will look like in the future. So I'll put a little plug in right there. It's called Kohler Ridge. It's on our website. You know, we're looking for feedback from our residents. Um, you know, this is this is kind of how, you know, these things take shape. You know, it's, it's not just my vision of the park or what I think should go there. It, it's really a collective um, and cohesive plan based off of, you know, what staff feels is appropriate, you know, and what we can maintain as well as what the public's interest is. Um, some of them, you know, just really want to keep it preserved. And some of them would like some soft walking trails, you know, where you're highlighting the the ridge, the scenic views and, and the meadow that the property has to offer. 
Um, you know, there, there's other ways you can preserve land as well, which were, we were actively working on. And I was getting really excited about it because I thought we were really gaining momentum. And then the pandemic hit, you know, we were actually, uh, we, we had a little steering committee set up here at the township where uh, we were really taking a proactive approach to uh, preservation of open space farmland and things like that. And, you know, when COVID hit, it just wasn't the right time to put this on a referendum to see if the public was going to support this or not. Uh, something we'll probably look forward to doing here in the near future. But, you know, until, you know, the economy and, and you know, the, the pandemic and everything kind of rest here again, we're, we're probably going to hold off on that. So, um, you know, the best way to do it, though, Pastor Joe, quite frankly, is just having positive relationships with those landowners. Uh, we have a a corporation here in the township uh, named Jarris Corporation. They own about 1,400 acres of the township in the northern tier. Um, quick little story is they they used to own Trojan powder. They used to manufacture all the, the gunpowder and things for like World War II. And, and uh, so what the, the owner back then had to do, they had to buy up all the land around this plant, which was Trojan powder. And they had to acquire that property in case there was some sort of accident. So because it was an explosives plant, uh, they had to acquire the land around it. So that's how they actually, um, you know, became the owners of, of all this, this land in South Whitehall. But there was just a recent Morning Call article um, that stated that uh, the Chairs Corp could potentially be uh, dedicating over 135 acres of, you know, land right there along the Jordan Creek. So, you know, if we're able to connect that 135 acres with uh, the Covered Bridge Park, which is just over, you know, 115, 116 acres, you know, now we're talking a, a very uh, beautiful parkway in sense, you know, where you could basically go, you know, from Route 309 all the way down to Mockchunk. You know, we're going to connect all that via the Jordan Creek Greenway too, which I know you, you've probably been on before. You've seen the boardwalks and the trails that we've built, you know, and that's all part of the vision and, you know, trying to, you know, really get South Whitehall to, to become a more walkable community. Um, you know, with, with farmland, you uh, if you preserve it as farmland, it's locked in as farmland in perpetuity. You know, we try to do a little bit of both. You know, we're, we're trying to balance development. We're trying to balance preservation, not just farmland preservation, but also open space preservation. There's no reason, you know, you can't preserve it as, as open space, you know, but continue to farm it, you know, but to lock it in as farming sometimes could be detrimental, you know, to a future administration 10, 20, 50 years from now that, you know, may see a bigger need than, than just agriculture. Uh, so, you know, it, it's kind of a unique balance. You're, you're always trying to strive for the, the most appropriate resolution, you know, putting deed restrictions on those properties that, that makes sense for, for not just today, but also for the future. Um, so it, it's something we're, we're trying to do more of, you know, we, we've done quite a bit, you know, we, we've got something in the works now that, that we're hoping to uh, be able to share here in the, in the near future, but um, definitely, looking forward to, to continuing that initiative. Yeah. I feel like you guys have done such a great job of striking that balance because it is, you know, the area has grown so much Yeah, and you need yeah. not only the green spaces and these parks to get people outside, but you also need places to develop, whether that's housing or retail or right. all these, these areas. And I feel like you've, you've struck a really good balance of doing that. And I know that, um, even their spaces that are, are becoming more vacant and open, like the Kmart off Tillman street. Yep. Do you, do you do anything with like businesses like that? Like we're, we're um, 
I don't know if that's even in your domain. I was just curious. Not not so much in my domain. I mean, I do work hand in hand with them, obviously, because of, you know, public works, you know, yeah. and, and making yeah. sure, you know, their utility lines and, you know, their roads and, and everything leading to and from those developments are appropriate and, and they meet our, our ordinance standards. Um, but th- those, those sorts of things are typically dealt with through our community development department. Um, you know, that you mentioned the Kmart section, that area in, in general is, is a perfect redevelopment opportunity, you know, for somebody that would want to do that. Um, but we're not really out there so- soliciting new businesses, right. things like that. It, you know, we, we'd really just follow our, our processes and those guidelines that are outlined in our, in our ordinances, you know. That's that's for the the economic development folk to, to figure out. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome, man. Well, I, I uh, was thinking about what you mentioned, the Cover Bridge Park. I have loved what you did there. Uh, I love the park already initially, um, but then uh, I came one day and I was like, man, they're doing something here. And then I came back, you know, during the pandemic and it was it was all all done. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and, and that was only one park. I mean, I, I know I know of another one that's a smaller park that was closer yeah. to the home I, I had uh, lived in uh, previously to, to moving up to the Weisenberg area. Um, but it, it was uh, what a, what a, a gift that's been to me and my family uh, and into our community uh, to be able to have a park like that that has it just has everything <laughs> that you could want, like it has some trails, it has water. It has a zip line. My da- my my uh, my son calls it a zip line zapper. Uh, you know, he he loves going down that thing. You know, it, it was funny. Yep. I, I was there a couple of weeks ago and had to kind of create a line so that people could take turns. There's like probably it was ten deep. Of yeah. Go on. But, you know, once once you get going, it's hard to like get off. So you have to kind of work them through it. But man, I I would just love to hear the vision behind these improvements, even from your vantage point and perspective. Sure what it is that you guys are doing with that. Sure. So um, one of the things, you know, we, we, we do as, as, a, as municipalities, and, and this isn't unique to South Whitehall, but um, if, if you're going after some of these big capital projects, your intent's going to be to look for grant funding. Um, before you can even get grant funding from a state agency like a Department of Conservation Natural Resources, um, you know, that, that DCNR, they're, they're typically the state agency that funds the parks and rec programs. But, you know, they have a lot of requirements before you're even eligible for those grants. And the biggest thing right there is, is that do you have a plan? Is there a vision for that park? Um, you know, and is there construction estimates? And was the public input process part of part of that master plan? So, you know, before we can even start putting designs down on paper and, and you know, putting shovels in the ground, we have a good 18 to 24 month planning process that goes into it, you know, before we start writing those grants. And that's kind of what I mentioned we're going through over at uh, the Kohler Ridge property right there. That That's how it all starts. It, it really starts, you know, at, at the grassroots efforts, you know, with the public, you know, determining what the vision for the property is going to be. Once that plan is is completed and, and adopted by the, the board of commissioners, then you can really start working with the engineers. You can start your grant writing, you know, and then you got to get your permits. You know, we're in a floodplain, so, you know, we're, we're uh, extra careful about what we're doing down there. Um, you know, and then we have bidding requirements that go out, you know, that the township has to abide by. Um, yeah, so the, the vision of it, it, it's not necessarily my vision. Like I mentioned before, it's, it's a vision it's a you know kind of a holistic vision of of the community, um, 
you know, staff, the board, uh, everybody gets their input in. And, you know, once a plan's in place, that's when the magic happens. And that's when you can start, uh, you know, making these things come to fruition. Yeah, it's awesome to, to even hear how it played out, because I think there's a, a life lesson and a leadership lesson there for us that, you know, when you think about involving others, specifically, he talked about grants yep. and, and uh, how you would go about that before you can actually even apply for a grant. They want to hear what's the vision of this? Yep. What's the plan? Who's been involved in coming up to those processes, you know, whether that's the vision in, in the plan part. So has the community been involved? Have the leaders yep. been involved? Have you taken the necessary steps? And I think oftentimes, you know, we, we get a little paralyzed by um, what it is we don't know <laughs> to start doing what we do know to do, even if it means it's going to be a longer road. So delayed gratification uh, is another way to say that. Uh, but delayed gratification is worth it when you think about what is on the other side of it. And so as I listen to even this specifically in, in involving uh, the right people going through a process, uh, working a plan, and then when the monies are available, they look at that and say, hey, this is something that we want to get behind because right. people people get behind not just the idea of vision. See, I think there's a, a misnomer that if I just have vision, that actually will automatically draw people. Well, it may draw people, but oftentimes people want more than just the vision. They need the vision, but they need to know how the vision is going to be realized. What What is the plan? What are the steps that you're going to take? Even if you don't have all the answers, because like you said, there's it's a multi-layered uh, process where you have to do bids. You got to, you know, there's a lot of things still involved to get there. But I personally, as a leader, you know, as I listen to that, I, I think, wow, what a good reminder, you know, that in order to be prepared to even step into the preferred future, you actually have to have a vision, a plan, <laughs> and then work the process. Like, <laughs> sure. you can't just be like, you know, it can't just like, hey, you know what, it'd be great to renovate this, you know, we got this. But what a gift it's been to our community. I mean, I was there, like I said, a couple of weeks ago, we were playing on the playground, but then we were skipping rocks, we were uh, walking across and running across that bridge. Uh, man, it's a beautiful, a beautiful park. And, and I'm just really appreciative of the work that you guys have put in. Well, I'll, I'll touch on one more thing since you're mentioning the trail and, and you'll be happy to hear this too, but um, we're actually about to receive our permit to construct the Jordan Creek Greenway all the way through Covered Bridge Park. So oh, that um, where that boardwalk section is, that's going to be heading east towards the second Covered Bridge in Covered Bridge Park. And then after that, we're actually going to be connecting up to Parkland High School. Um, so we've got one easement from the landowner right next to Lap Road Covered Bridge there. And then last Wednesday night, I was just able to get a second easement approved by the Board of Commissioners, um, which is adjoining to that landowner. And then the final one we're working on right now is actually with the Parkland School District. So the, the Jordan Creek Greenway, um, hopefully within the next three to four years, I'd say, will be um, paved from Cedar Crest all the way to Route 309. So yeah, we are making making significant progress in in that aspect as well. Yeah. So that, I mean, that's opening up new opportunities, you know, for um, for new funding, you know, because we are connecting to a school. Um, but I can tell you that the cross country team up at Parkland High School, they're very excited about it. You know, the environmental clubs are, are going to have now safe access down to Jordan Creek, you know, for, for any stream studies and things like that they may want to do. 
uh, it's it's just been a fun project to work on. And you know, regarding that that playground at Covered Bridge, that's why we did it. I mean, you, you mentioned it. You said how how uh, a, a nice gift that it's been to the community, and and that's personally why I kind of got involved with Parks and Rec. You know, going back to what I said earlier. You know, it's just it's a fun and unique and enjoyable way to to give back to the community, you know, and then when the project's done, you just kind of you're in awe about how many people are using it and, and the nice things people are saying. And then you very quickly forget about all those speed bumps and hurdles you had to overcome to get to that finish line. So it's it's been a blessing to work on and and uh, very, very happy and, and proud of what we've been able to accomplish here in the township. It's awesome, man. Well, I, I wanted to ask you, because you said something, two things that I want to kind of touch on, which really goes to this idea about learning more about Parks and Rec. Um, and it's, one, if people uh, wanted to, like, do an internship with you guys, if they were interested, whether that's, I don't know, when they start, as far as from your perspective, you know, when you start taking interns in, how do they go about a process like that? Yeah, so, you know, any any internship, you know, I, I try to... I really tried to make sure that applicant not knows what they're getting into, but I want to make sure it's the right the right position for them. I mean, it's it's not an internship where they're filing and you know mailing envelopes. It's that's not what we do with our interns. You know, we we really get them involved. I mean, you know, sometimes they're out there, you know, being a site supervisor for a playground program. Next thing they might be, you know, designing a flyer. You know, so they can really show what level of detail needs to go in to actually promote a program. You know, we get them trained up on on updating websites, social media, which they're a little bit better at than I am. I'm, I'm not a big social media guy, but um, you know, today's today's youth has a has a very good skill set for that. So we we like to harness that energy and and uh, you know benefit our, our department where we can. Um, a lot of times, though, you know, we advertise it on our website. Uh, we're really looking for individuals that, you know, are either in the parks and rec field, sports management, um, you know, secondary education is a great opportunity for for those students as well to uh, get some, um, you know, leadership opportunity here in the township, you know, through our summer playground program. We have over 400 kids registered at, at three different sites. So it's it's a pretty big program. And, you know, like I said, they're they're supervising that program. They're helping manage it. They're speaking with parents. Um, you know, dealing with some difficult situations, and it, it's it's a it's a great motivation uh, for them to come back each day to to keep bettering themselves, um, as well as you know being a a good uh, replication for for what South Whitehall is looking for, you know, in 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 all of our employees. So, you know, I, I definitely encourage people. You know, it's typically around March we're we're starting to look for our interns and. Um, you know, they're, they're usually going from May till, you know, late August before they go back to school. Yeah. My niece loves that program, by the way. Good. Shout Good. out to my niece, Georgia. She's loving that program. <laughs> she's, she's been involved in that. So you guys are doing a, a great work and a great job with that. I wanted to ask too, just, you know, you did mention a little bit of this, but I think it is important to, for people to hear that because it is a little different in the role. How much administration outside of the internships mm-hmm. side of things? For your role, how much like admin are you doing? How many like night meetings are you typically in? How many like <laughs> like emailing, uh, paperwork? Yeah. Like what? How does that like play into a role like this? All, all of it. You know, I, I get to go to a lot of those night meetings. I, I attend our parks and rec board meetings. We have a green advisory council meeting. Uh, every now and then, I'll go to our our planning commission meetings, zoning hearing board. 
Um, we have la landscape and shade tree. We, I mean, and then of course our board of commissioners, which is really our supervisors uh, or like a city council, some people may recognize it at, but um, you know, those are twice a month. You know, we have parks and rec once a month. GAC, GAC is our green advisory council. That's a really new group that I actually helped get started. It's looking at all of our environmental uh, issues, you know, here in the township and, and what we might be able to do to, to better the environment. Um, yeah, so I, I, I mean, between the between the meetings and the night events that we have, two, three nights a week, I'd say, sometimes on weekends. But, you know, and then there's always the call outs. We got a bad thunderstorm come through or, or the snow, the snow hits and, and we're out plowing at 2 a.m. Water main breaks. So it's it's kind of. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's good for every week, both, both sides of it, because no matter what you do, there's the, Hey, I'm out ribbon cutting, <laughs> like, and out, but there's yep. also the, the call outs or, yep. or the meetings that, you know, are important, but sometimes, you know, that, you know, it's, you know, it's a way it's time away from the family. It's, you know, you're, yeah. you're having to, to make some choices in order to, to really uh, engage the community and, and get involved. And, and I think it's important even to consider like he was saying, you know, if, if you're looking at something, regardless of whether it's Parks and Rec or whatever, I would I would encourage us all to think about like what is it the thing that we're we're cons, um, considering, and are we willing to even test it out a little bit? So one of the things I loved about what he said prior to us in, in talking about specifically like his role in it is there are ways to test out things before you fully commit. So like even now, if you're interested in Parks Rec, but you're not sure about what major you should go into, one of the easiest ways to start figuring that out is to, to uh, volunteer, to engage in what's going on in the community. And you know what? That's true of life in, in general. Like there are ways that you can test out things. You know, it's the old adage that Jim Collins talks about. He says, uh, instead of firing cannonballs, why don't you fire bullets? <laughs> because bullets are less expensive than cannonballs. <laughs> and so, so it's like the other words, in other words, you'll learn which cannonballs to fire as you fire these bullets. Right. But, but I, I think it's, a, it's really uh, important to even think about, Hey, this is an, a real path that could be viable for you. And even if you don't go down the route of parks and rec long-term, so many life and leadership lessons you learn as you do that. And so as, as we think about that, Randy, I wanted to ask two more questions and then we'll wrap up our time. One is how can people learn um, more about South Whitehall Township and what you're, you're doing? Is there a place where they can find more information? about? Yeah, that? I mean, obviously, obviously our website, we just, we just put out a new website um, a few months ago. So it, it's updated. Um, our parks and rec page can easily be found right from the homepage there. We, we've got a list of all of our, our programs, our events, you know, some of the capital projects we are working on. Um, you know, we also have a, a Facebook post or page that is frequently updated, usually daily. They'll, they'll typically do a, a daily post right there on, on Facebook. And that's, that's been a great way for people, you know, to get uh, quick answers, you know, rather than calling into the building, a lot of people will just message us through Facebook, or they'll let us know, hey, the trash needs to be picked up. There was a big baseball game, so we'll get out there and, and get on it right away. But um, those, those two avenues are probably the easiest way to stay involved. Yeah, what's the website address? It's just southwhitehall.com. Southwhitehall.com. Yeah, southwhitehall.com. And then from the homepage, just click on the, the red button that says Parks and Rec, and it will take you right to it. And, um, yeah, you can pretty much navigate anything you're looking for, Parks and Rec, uh, related, you know, from, from that homepage of the Parks and Rec Department. 
That's awesome. How people? How can people connect with you, Randy? Specifically? Yeah, you can call me at the township building. Our, our phone number is 610-398-0401. Or you can email me at copr at southwhitehall.com. That's awesome. Well, Randy, thank you so much for what sure. you do for our community. Thanks for the time today. Man, you're you're such a gift. And again, um, I'm, I'm grateful for your leadership, your friendship, and, and the ways in which uh, you serve this community and how you truly are about the Valley, man, how you're for the people of the Valley and how you're for the places of the Valley as well. So thanks so much for being on the podcast today and for jumping on with us. I want to encourage you to check out the things that, that Randy mentioned, as well as our site, visionforthevalley.com. Again, we are for the Valley. We're in the Valley and we want to highlight all that's going on here. Thanks again, Randy, for being on. Thank you very much for having me and happy belated birthday, Joe. Ah, thanks so much, man. (laughs) I appreciate that. Thanks for joining us for the Vision for the Valley podcast. We'd love to connect with you and to hear from you. You can find us on social media at Vision for the Valley podcast, or you can email us at visionforthevalleypodcast at gmail.com.